Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. It's been said that was the best four-note introduction to any choir song that's ever been done. Anyway, last week we looked at God's, really that the first formation of His chosen people, beginning with God choosing Abraham out of all the people in the world. Then as you go through your reading, you begin to see about even God choosing Isaac over Ishmael and any of other any other children that Abraham had. Then you get into him choosing Jacob. And in your reading, you get now into the sons of Jacob, which these 12 men will make up the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. And we come this week to what I think is just a fascinating set of stories about Jacob's next to youngest son named Joseph. I love the life and the stories of, of Joseph. It's just incredibly fascinating and seeing God work in his life. Now, Joseph, as you know, endured a lot. He experienced some of the worst betrayals in life and, and some incredible hardships in his life. But the big point of Joseph's story, I think, is this is that through all of that bad, God still brought about a whole lot of good. Not just for Joseph, but for everybody else. And Joseph's life demonstrates this truth that God planned it for good because he was betrayed by his brothers. He was literally sold into slavery. He was betrayed and then framed by his master's wife. He was sent to prison wrongfully. He was forgotten by his prison mates. And then at just the right time, when God had brought him out of all that, he, he put him and made him one of the most powerful men in the world. I mean, what an, I mean you, Hollywood couldn't write a better story than this right here. Now, the question for me, again, is why? Why did God do all this, and why did Joseph experience all this? Well, it wasn't just for Joseph. Even though Joseph benefited from God's plan, just like his grandfather Abraham benefited from God's plan, but God brought Joseph through all of that, through the pit, through the prison, and puts him in the palace so that he could save the very ones who brought all this pain to his life. And that, does that sound familiar, that little, that little story, that script right there? So anyway, through him, God would save these people through whom he would bring his son. Through today, now he can save even us. So what we see this morning is even though Joseph was part of God's big plan, Joseph had a responsibility in this. And this is where we're going to focus this morning. Joseph had to respond to life circumstances in a godly way in order for God's plan to work out the way that God wanted it to work out. In other words, if God was going to save Joseph's brothers for our sake today by bringing Christ, that would mean that Joseph would have to forgive his brothers, show them grace, show them mercy, and let go of whatever pain it was that had caused him throughout his life. So thankfully, for those ten men's sake, for our sake, Joseph got it right. Joseph understood the big picture of God's plan. Now let's look at Genesis chapter 50 this morning. We're coming to the end of the book of Genesis. Genesis 50, we're going to start in verse 15. And the Bible says this, says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, that's Jacob, they said to one another, If Joseph is holding a grudge against us, 
He will certainly repay us for all the suffering that we cause him. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before he died, your father gave a command. Say this to Joseph. Please, forgive your brother's transgression and their sin, the suffering they caused you. Therefore, please, forgive the transgression of your servants, of the God of your father. Joseph wept when their message came to him. His brothers also came to him, bowed down before him, and said, We are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now, a little background. After all of their wrongdoing, if you back up a few chapters, the brothers come to Egypt. They bow down before Joseph. They, uh, ma- he eventually makes his identity known to them. They don't even recognize their own brother at first, right? And, and when this happens, they were so afraid of him because they had hurt him so badly earlier in his life. It had essentially destroyed this man's life up to a certain point. And now he was in the position and had the power to do anything he wanted to do to his ten brothers. I say 10 because Benjamin was little and Joseph really liked him. He wasn't involved in all that. But Joseph doesn't harm them. Instead, he sends for his other brother. He sends for his father. And everything actually is going really good for everybody involved. But then Jacob passes away. And we get all these emotions coming back out. And that fear of the brothers had creeps back in. Even though they'd been with Joseph. Even though they'd been in Egypt and enjoying all the pleasantries of Egypt. And that's our first truth this morning about fear. Is that wrongdoing often induces fear. Again, the overarching theme here is that God can use anything for good. And I believe that with all my heart. And He does so in this situation. But notice, I mean, let's look at this from the brother's point of view for just a moment this morning. We often look at it from Joseph's point of view. But Joseph's brothers, they had wronged him. They had sinned against him. They basically left him for dead, sold him into slavery. And they would have done worse to him, I think, had Reuben not intervened when he did earlier in the book of Genesis. But their wrongdoing... If you go back to that story, first made them fear their dear old dad, right? They said, how is dad going to respond to us losing our brother or worse yet, killing our brother? And so they devised this plan and they, they kill a young goat. They soak his coat of many colors into it, take it back to Jacob, their father, and say, look, this is what happened. A wild animal came and, and killed your son because they were so afraid of what their father might do. And now, fast forward to here, they fear, that they fear their brother. And so they, I think, lied to... I don't think, personally, I don't think Jacob ever told them to tell your brother that he needs to forgive you. I think they made all that up. I think they made this lie up. And they, and, and they say, hey, uh, you know, your da- notice what they say. Your dad wants you to forgive us. You know, fear comes and it, it makes you do things that you normally wouldn't do. When fear sets in it, because of your sin or your wrongdoing... And you begin to live in that fear. It's like it just overtakes you. It overtakes your mind. And you begin to fear consequences. You begin to fear being found out. You begin to fear what people might do or say or think about you. And it makes you do things and even say things. And come up with things that you normally wouldn't do or say or come up with. It's all because of fear. It's like this sickness that just it eats away at you. Kind of like. 
a cancer or something inside. It just gets, grows and it festers. This fear does. And it's typically brought on by two things. It's either a lack of faith, some deep-rooted lack of faith, or you've done something wrong and now you're afraid. I try to teach my kids this lesson, and it's tough. And it reminds me of two little brothers I heard a story about. They were just rambunctious, just wild little boys as boys will be. But these were like hardcore, just not good boys, right? So mom has tried everything she can to get them under control. She's taken them to counseling. She's taken them to the principal's office and had teacher-parent conferences and sit down with them. And nothing's working. These boys are just out of control. So she takes them to the preacher. And the preacher thinks... I'm going to teach these boys about God seeing everything, about God knowing everything, and maybe if I can get that through, maybe they'll fear God and, and, and act a little better. So one boy is at home, one comes in, sits down in front of the preacher, big old desk, you know, like preachers have, and the preacher looks at him and doesn't say anything but this. He says, son, where's God? The little boy's eyes get big as saucers, you know. He don't know what this preacher's talking about. The preacher lets it go a minute. He says, son, I said, where is God? The boy's kind of stiffening up. He's a little nervous at this point, but he doesn't say a word. The preacher's getting frustrated. He thinks, I'm ready to drive home my point. So he almost leaps over the desk. He says, son, where is God? And the little boy jumps out of his chair, runs all the way home, busts through the door of the house, runs upstairs to their bedroom where his other brother is, grabs a bag, starts packing all of his things. And his brother's like, dude, what are you doing? He said, son... I don't know what's going on, but they've lost God at church, and they're pretty sure that we had something to do with it. we got to get out of here. <laughs> what I want us to understand is there's no reason for us to live in fear. And again, I, I try to teach my own kids this. You know, kids do things or they don't do things. They'll make up little lies about it and, and all this stuff. But I try to teach my kids that, listen... Even if you didn't brush your teeth this morning, I want you to be honest with me. I can handle honesty a lot better than I can handle any kind of lie. Because, here's why. As a parent, I can't lead you correctly based on a lie or a false truth or a partial truth, right? I need the whole truth, even if I don't like it, if I'm going to lead you the right way. And likewise, we need to be honest with ourselves. And more importantly, we need to be honest with our God about whatever's going on in our life. Listen, just because you messed up or just because you blatantly sinned against God does not mean that God is sitting up there just waiting to smite you down because of your sin. He wants you to confess that sin and never do it again, but He's not out to get you. He wants you to get over it and move on and don't live in fear and don't live in regret and don't live in shame and guilt. And that's why John reminds us over in the New Testament that if we would confess our sins, God is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and do what? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So confess it and move on. Don't be brought down and paralyzed by fear. Second thing... Is not only that, but we need to learn how to be an extension of that same kind of grace that God pours into our lives. Second thing is repentance inspires forgiveness. Do you know that it's, it is possible to forgive somebody even if they're not sorry? It's tough, isn't it? But it is possible. Even if they don't regret what they're done. I mean, you think about that, that's exactly what Jesus did for us, right? Jesus Christ took our punishment for our sin upon Himself long before we ever felt sorry 
for that sin. But his sacrifice is appropriated to our account by what? By faith and repentance. When we turn from that sin and repent from that sin. Now notice what happens when Joseph gets that message from, her, from his brothers. The Bible says he wept. See, I think Joseph was an incredibly smart, wise, and mature follower of God. Again, I don't think he believed what his brothers were saying. He saw through all their lives, through all their schemes, and he actually saw their fear. And I think that Joseph knew that his brothers regretted what they had done to him all those years before. And I think the maturity that he had, coupled with the repentant hearts that his brothers had, inspired this incredible forgiveness on Joseph's part. Forgiveness is a very powerful thing if you've ever given it out or you've ever received it. Here's the thing. I think Joseph needed to forgive his brothers just as much as his brothers needed to be forgiven by him. I think Joseph, being who Joseph was and realizing that God, yes, was using all of this good, all this bad, I mean, for something good to save a multitude of people, as he would say, I think Joseph would have forgiven his brothers even if they weren't sorry for what they'd done. And even if he'd never gotten the opportunity to. But God, you see, God orchestrated this thing and allowed these men to come and stand before Joseph just like he dreamed about so many years before. But even if that never happened, I think Joseph would have forgiven them. But this moment, showing their repentant hearts, truly being sorry for what they did, allowed Joseph to forgive them on a much deeper level. Repentance inspires forgiveness. I heard a story about a Texas governor who went and toured one of the state penitentiaries. And he got to speak to the, the inmates there, this large group of men. And when he got finished, he said that he'd stick around and he'd speak individually with anybody that wanted to come and talk to him. And of course, especially in Texas, right? They've got a pretty good reputation of being pretty harsh. But he, man after man lines up to come and plead their case with the governor, right? And one after one, they come up and they're telling their story and they told him about how they'd been framed, about how they'd been set up, how there'd been some kind of injustice, maybe even a mistrial. Somehow they were wrong and deserved to be free. But then finally one man came and talked with the governor. He said, Governor, I just want to tell you, I'm in here for, for what I did. They were right in sending me here. He said, but, but here's the thing. He said, Mr. Governor, I believe I've paid for my wrongs. He said, if I were granted the right to get out of here, I would do everything that I could to be a good citizen and prove myself worthy of whatever mercy you might find to give me. Now, out of all those men, who do you think the governor pardoned? Of course, he pardoned the repentant man. And so the point is, if, if you're on the, the giving end of some wrong today, that's what you need to do. You need to approach your victim. You need to approach the person that you have wronged if it's wise to do so. And you need to be repentant about what you've done to them. And if you're on the receiving end of that, you've got to understand that whoever's wronged you may not even realize what pain they've caused you. And you need to be like the brothers and give this person the opportunity to repent. Now, whether they're sorry or not, is on them, but you need to at least give them the opportunity to forgive you. I mean, you need to give them the opportunity to be forgiven. Now, Joseph teaches us one other thing. This, that, folks, this is deep stuff right here. This is tough stuff. Joseph teaches us that true forgiveness doesn't stop at that. It goes so much deeper. I call it redemption. 
And redemption includes not only forgiving, but forgetting. Joseph was not only forgiving his brothers, but he was redeeming them. He was bringing them into his home. He was providing for them. And I think Joseph almost perfectly exemplified the love that God has for us by the love that he has for his brothers. Twice in this verse, in these verses, he tells them, don't be afraid. He says, let, let go of your fear. And he explains it to him. He says, guys, I see the big picture of what God's trying to do here. And I know that you hurt me, but I understand that God has something so much bigger and so much better in mind. And not only will I extend mercy to you, and not only will I not give you the retribution that you deserve for what you've done to me, but I will extend grace to you. He says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of your children. And I'm going to truly forgive you. And that's what true forgiveness looks like, folks. It includes forgiving and forgetting the sin and actually doing something good for the offender. Now, how easy is that? It's tough stuff, isn't it? But what I want us to see is this is exactly the kind of forgiveness that God gives us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead of giving us what we deserve, God gives us Jesus. Instead of putting us on the cross, He put Christ on the cross. And when we're repentant, God just pours His grace out upon us. There's a story about some missionaries that first went to the Eskimos of all people. I thought this was fascinating. They go to the Eskimos and they're, they're sharing the gospel with the Inuit people and they realize there's no word for forgiveness in their language. And so they had, the, the, they had to make one up. And so what they did was they took several Inuit words and, and just compounded them together in this one big long word that's this. Isumajaji Junainermik. Now I, if I you paid me a lot to sit in my office and practice that this week. <laughs> and it looks like alphabet soup. It's a word like this long. But you know what it means? It has a beautiful meaning for the folks that could understand it. It literally means not being able to think about it anymore. That is what biblical forgiveness looks like. That when God forgives you for your sin... Even though you've hurt the Father. Even though you put Christ on the cross. Even though you betrayed Him. When you repent and seek God's forgiveness, He takes your sin. And the Bible says that He casts it as far as the east is from the west. That God forgives you in such a way that He never recounts that sin again. He's never able to think about your sin ever again. It's done. It's, it's over. You're forgiven. You are pardoned for that sin. But not only that. I want you to understand that justification by grace through faith in Christ means that not only are you pardoned from the sin and freed from the penalty of that sin like the pardoned prisoner, but it is as though that sin never happened in the first place and you are completely exonerated and put in right standing with God Almighty. That's how God forgives us. Now flip that around and let me ask you this question. How are you doing at forgiving like God? We like to be forgiven. And we sure like it when people forgive us when we've done something wrong. But not only are we to be a forgiven people and live in that freedom, but we are to be a forgiving people. An extension of God's grace to others. So this morning I want to leave you with this. Who in your life do you need to forgive? Because the truth is, it's probably hurting you a lot more than it's hurting them. Do you need forgiveness this morning 
from another person, maybe from God himself. And, and I want you just to know that your forgiveness, whatever it looks like, whether it's with someone or even God, it starts with humility and a repentant heart. And if you'll come to that point this morning, watch what God can do through forgiving people. Stand as we close in prayer. Father, this is real stuff we're talking about this morning through the life of Joseph. And God, this is tough stuff. But it's also life-changing stuff. As we learn to let go of hurts, as we learn to let go of grudges, as we learn to live in faith and not in fear, it's life-changing. And Lord, this morning, I thank you for the forgiveness that we have that comes through Jesus Christ. Lord, that you teach us, you example for us how we ought to forgive one another. Because we've been forgiven. Our slate has been wiped clean. And God, maybe there's someone here that needs to make amends with someone and do that very same thing for them. And God, maybe there's someone here this morning that's never experienced the forgiveness that you have. And God, I pray that today they'd come to you in simple faith and repentance, Lord, and be saved. God, work in our hearts. If we've wronged somebody, God, I pray that you would convict us, that you would soften our hearts, and that we would make amends. Teach us how, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If God is dealing with you in some way this morning, if you'd like to come and pray, if you need to go to that person and make amends this morning, why don't you do that today? Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.